Today we're talking all things virtual summits, the good, the bad, how to monetize them, how to be a good host, and more. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome back, Rebels. We have a really interesting show today. It's going to be a little bit different than usual. Typically, we either do a solo style episode where I talk by myself about a specific topic or I have a guest on the show and I interview them. Today's a little bit different because we have a guest on the show, but it's going to be more of a conversation. We're talking about all things virtual summits and the person who's on the show today is a virtual summit expert And because I've also run a virtual summit, we decided it would be fun to have this as more of a conversation, a back and forth, so that we can both weigh in on certain aspects of running a virtual summit. So our guest on the show is Krista Miller. Krista began as a service-based business owner who hustled really hard to make money off of one-on-one work. Even though she still loves her one-on-one clients, Krista found a way to make a much bigger impact both for her audience and for her own business through online summits. After her first summit brought in nearly $16,000, Krista launched summitinabox.co to show you how you can do the same for your business. So our episode today is very unique. Like I said, we've never done something like this before, but I think the back and forth gives a nice um, a nice presentation for what we're going to be talking about and the fact that both Krista and I ran successful virtual summits and we both have our own opinions on what went well and what didn't go well and our com- the combination of our brains together is hopefully going to help set you up for success. So get ready for this episode, really excited to share it with you and please welcome Krista Miller to the podcast. All right, Krista, welcome to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. We're so excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you all about summits. Like I get so nerdy talking about summits and so excited. So this is going to be great. Yeah, this is, so this podcast is going to release um, right after my virtual summit review of my first summit. So it's kind of like a dual episode. So I'm excited to dig deeper into it. But before we get started with that conversation, tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you got into this world. Yeah, so uh, let's see here. I started out in a corporate job. I was I was a uh, software and web developer, and that's what I went to school for. I have degrees in computer science and software engineering, and I love that world. I actually have a separate business doing uh, website development, um, and I love that business. I love the client work. I love what I'm doing, um, but eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know, I really want to do something to bring in some more income, some more leads. Uh, You know, I just wanted something that would bring me to that next level. And then I ended up running a summit and I had like lots of fears about doing it. I held myself back for a very long time. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Um, But eventually I just went ahead and did it. And it brought in more money than I imagined, more leads than I imagined. And I am like the, a planner person. I love details. I love plannings. I, I need lists for everything. Um, so after I ran this summit, I had like this step-by-step process. And I ran another one using that process, and it was amazing. 
I had all kinds of people, attendees, speakers asking me, how did you do this? Like, can you teach me how to do it? You know, send me your, your Asana and Trello template, whatever. I was like, all right, well, here we go. And now I'm teaching everybody how to run online summits. <laughs> it's amazing how things just naturally evolve like that. Like you had no idea this would be a thing that you could teach and all of a sudden now it's a product. Yeah, even when the first few people were like, oh my gosh, you really need to teach this. I was like, are you kidding? Like, I'm just, I'm just a developer. I'm just going to sit here in my dark little office and code away. Um, but I'm so glad. And it's, I love having now this new aspect of my business that is, you know, more the digital product kind of thing rather than all one-on-one. -on -one. So it's, it's really fun to teach it. And it's really nice to have, you know, not, not necessarily passive, but less one-on-one -on -one type work in a way with this new business I've started. Yeah, I feel the same way with um, my summit. I mean, I had no clue if it would be the right thing to do. You know, yeah. I don't know if you felt that way, but it was kind of like, I knew it would be a big undertaking, but I didn't realize how big of an undertaking. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. <laughs> same. I know I have people all the time asking me like how long it takes to plan a summit and they get so annoyed with me when I give them the answer of, you know, at least 90 days. No like, less. If you're on top of the game, like if you're real good at sitting down, doing the work, staying organized, sure. But they get so annoyed with me. I'm like, all right, you know, do what you want to do. <laughs> Don't come crying to me when you find out how much work this is. I remember I asked you that question. Yeah. I sent you a message. I was like, okay. And I had 90 days, but I only had, it was like right on that line of yeah. I'm going to run it in the next 90 days. And I sent you a message. I'm like, is this realistic? Can I actually pull this off? And you said, yeah, 90 days is good, but just start right now. <laughs> like, Don't put <laughs> <Yeah>. it up. <laughs> And that's so true. I actually feel like 90 days is even pushing it a little bit. Like if you had an extra 30 or even yeah. an extra like two weeks, mm -hmm. maybe things would feel a little bit less pressure, but you can pull it off in 90. It's just going to be tight at the end. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Right in the beginning is crazy. And then right at the end, it gets pretty crazy. And you're kind of in your, your summit is coming up, right? It's like yeah. a few weeks away. Yep. So I'm launching another summit uh, in about two weeks, actually, as of the time we're recording this. So I'm definitely in the crazy period right now. <laughs> well, crazy enough that you still have time to record a podcast episode. With of me. course. It's, it's good to step back and take, yeah. take a break from things. So <laughs> Yeah, that's so, so true. Okay. So how far into your business were you when you decided that you wanted to run a summit? Oh, goodness. Uh, I think it was, yep, it was three years when I decided, okay, we're doing this when I started planning. And I had been thinking about it, you know, it had come up in my mind a few times. I was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't run a summit. Like, people are going to look at me and be like, what does she think she's doing running an online summit? And, you know, I pictured myself pitching these speakers and then being like, uh, yeah, right. Like, try, try later, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, I would, I, joined this accelerator program and the coach of it was like so so uplifting and you know just encouraged me like what are you talking about like when it comes to the web development world people know who you are and everything like this you have this amazing community uh, that you could launch the summit to like just do it and and I did and it went over better than I could have ever imagined so and I loved having that as part of my story because there are so many people who feel the same way like I can't do a summit that's for influencers that's for people with huge audiences and huge email lists and that's just not the case at all isn't it crazy how many limiting beliefs we give ourselves? <laughs> it's so crazy and like I think back like what would have happened if 
I never would have done that. Like I wouldn't have this business. I wouldn't have run all these amazing summits. I have so many fewer connections. Like when you yeah. run a summit, the connections you make with your speakers are just incredible. Like, oh, it just makes me like, I don't know, anxious to think about not doing it now. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, it opens up so many doors of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, in the weeks after my summit, I booked myself three podcast interviews. I, you know, counted up how much revenue my business actually made. Like there's so many things that come as a result of it immediately besides just the money and the lead. Yes. Oh, so. for sure. And like, I think you'll, you'll find that just keeps happening. And like, even now I still have people coming to me, referring back to that first summit I ran, which is about a year ago now, you know, and I've got clients from it several times. I have again, pitch collaborations and it just, it just keeps repaying you for your hard work over and over. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to experience the same thing too. And it's just awesome. The coolest thing that happened is it's not that cool, but it was cool to me. I was looking for a new virtual assistant. Um, and I found somebody and I was telling them about the, I needed somebody to help me with my next summit. So I was like, you know, here's what the summit is. It's called the rebel boss summit. Um, and then her reply was, Oh my gosh, I was at your summit. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, yay, so that's so cool. It's cool to see the reach that you have with yeah. one event. It's really yes. cool. so many connections. So tell me about, so eventually we're going to start talking more about like, can you actually sell a digital product with summits and kind of the more like meat of our conversation. But I feel like it's really important for people listening to kind of dissect whether or not a virtual summit is going to be right for them. And that involves talking about the highs, talking about the lows, all like and everything in between. So what were those highs and lows for you? Yeah. So, you know, the big highs, they come right at the beginning when you have this idea and you start planning the thing. Did you feel the same way that like that initial planning part was just amazing? Yeah, I decided to run a summit while I was driving back from a conference. So like you, you were talking to somebody in your accelerated program that you were all hyped up. And I was like, so hyped up. I'm like, I'm doing it. Like it's happening. And yeah, that was, I was riding that high for a long time. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I just love that planning part and thinking of all the possibilities and, you know, kind of starting to come up with that speaker list. But then I also find then you hit a low right away. For me, trying to finalize the, the speakers I was going to pitch got really, it still gets, gets really overwhelming for me. Like I always try to have at least 20 speakers. So I have a list of 40 people and I get really down on myself during that time thinking, Oh my gosh, these people still, these people are going to say no, like they're not going to care that I've done this before and it's gone really well. Um, and you know, that's still a low for me is getting yeah. ready to pitch those speakers but then when they start saying yes then you're on a high again it's just roller literally coaster. roller coaster yeah. so starting to get those yeses is amazing um then it goes back into a low at least for me i have really solid systems in place when it comes to communicating with my speakers collecting material from them getting all the information i need but with that many people you are always going to have a few people who just do not want to cooperate <laughs> And for me, like oh, someone yeah. who is always really on top of things, that frustrates me so much. Yeah. So that, that's been another low for me uh, for each one. But then once, once like the promotion starts, 
it's just like, at least for me, it's just a high from there on out. Watching everybody's reactions to it, getting people to register, getting people to buy. And then, you know, once the present stations start airing, seeing people like taking action right away and getting results and getting excited. That was something I didn't actually expect as much. Like you're literally changing lives through this event. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's nothing that tops that. Like, no, for at least for me, no amount of money, no amount of new email subscribers, like, I love getting those emails and seeing those posts in the Facebook group of people who are like changing their business and their lives right there in the event. And that's just the best part of it. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. That's absolutely the best part of it. Like everything else is just cherry on top. Um, I think that my low was right before we started the promotion for the summit when you're just wondering yes. if anyone's actually going to share it. I don't know if you felt that, but no, you're right. Oh my gosh. Is anyone actually going to share this thing that I spent all this time creating? <laughs> yes. I actually had a mastermind. I call with my mastermind group uh, about a week before I started promoting. And one of them was like, girl, you need to go do some energy work around this summit. You need to get you some crystals. And like, I'm not into that kind of thing. Yeah. But that just kind of tells you like where I was. It's like, I don't really want to do this. Like, doesn't really sound that fun anymore so you're right that's one I totally missed is right before you start promoting it's just like (laughs) because the thing a lot of people don't realize about a summit it's not like a webinar where you're promoting your webinar and that's your responsibility a summit is you're really marketing it towards other people's audiences which means the speakers are promoting it for you and if they're not on board to promote then you're you don't really have anything that you can do and the reality is a percentage of your speakers won't promote it. And that's yeah. always like a bummer too. Most of them will, but there are going to be a select few that just don't. Do yeah, that that surprised me uh, with my first one. And there were a couple pretty big name speakers I had pitched and got lined up. I was so excited. I was like, their audience is perfect. Like it's going to be so much social proof. So many people signed up and I didn't say a word about it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, kind of like a punch in the gut at first, but now I just see that's, that's just how it is. Yep. And that's why now I feel like it's so important to pitch speakers based on the value they are going to bring. Don't worry about the size of their social media following or their email list. Cause you can't guarantee they're going to promote. And I have heard of people actually having like in their contracts, you know, you have to do this many things or whatever. And, you know, I actually think that's fine, but I also think that can turn people off. So I personally don't do that. And I just try to find a balance of, you know, people with good audiences and good content who I know will promote and people with just that amazing content. And, you know, if they don't promote, that's just how it is. And it happens. And it's something you have to try not to take personally as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's funny with the contract because I didn't, plan to have a contract at all and I was in my local mastermind meeting um and I was telling them I'm running a summit and trying to you know get some speakers now and they're like oh do you have a contract and I'm like no (laughs) why do I need a contract and they told me that I needed a contract just to kind of say that there's an expectation that you share at least like once with your audience so they sent me their templates and I ended up using it but even with that I think that with or without the same people who would have shared would have shared anyway, and the same yeah. people who didn't share wouldn't have shared. So I'm not sure that it really made a difference at all. But yeah, like you said, it's totally one of those things that you just have to be okay with and just, yeah. you know, roll with it. Yeah, for sure. So um, what are some mistakes that you made first time around that you've, now you've run multiple summits, mm-hmm. like what, is there anything big that you 
just totally messed up and decided to do differently? Oh, goodness. Um, I can tell you something in the second one I ran that was that just totally bombed. I think I got really lucky with the first one. Everything went really well. Um, but the second time around, it was, uh, I had planned it six months after my first one. Cause I was just on a high from running that first one. I was like, I'm not waiting a year to do this again. Yeah. I'm just waiting six months. Um, and then it came to, you know, that 90 day marker and I needed to get moving on things. And I just did not have the energy to find 40 potential speakers and, you know, line up at least 20 of them. Like that's the most draining part for me. Um, and I just didn't want to do it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to run like a mini summit. I'm going to do uh, five speakers, one a day. We're going to have, you know, a couple hours of time where everyone's going to get on a call and implement, you know, everything they've learned in that day and just kind of try to do one a day, theme days, make it really interactive. Uh, and it was a flop, <laughs> at least compared to uh, the, the full-blown summit. Uh, as far as uh, email signups went, we were at about 30%. Okay. of the big one, which I mean, when you're comparing 20 speakers versus five, you know, that makes sense. Um, the revenue was, oh, <laughs> it was just sad. I think maybe about 10%. Um, and people just weren't as engaged. Like it was just, you know, I mean, so there were some people that loved it for sure, but it was not worth the energy. If you're going to put yeah. the energy into running a mini summit, you might as well do a big summit, you know? So that was something that I learned like, nope, don't even try that. So, And at some point, the energy that you put in for the second time you do a big summit probably isn't as much as the first time. Like I, that's one thing that's getting me through is I did the bulk of the work already. Yeah. So doing it a second time or a third time can't be as hard. I could be wrong. For sure. No, you're totally right. You have your website set up. You have all the scripts you need to send. You have, you know, graphics you need created. It is so much easier the second time around. The like the, the most work that comes with it is finding speakers and then getting stuff from them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's a lot easier. So what did you think? Now for me, when I started thinking about my summit, I had a goal in mind for how much money I wanted to make. Um, and that was based off of like other people's results from their summits. But what did you think going in? Did you have any of those expectations and how much profit or revenue that yeah. you wanted to make? Yeah. My goal was $3,000. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was okay. like, you know, no one's going to sign up. People probably aren't going to buy. If I make $3,000, I'll be happy. My super stretch goal was 5000 but that was like super, super stretch goal. Wow. And okay, so tell us the actual number. Yeah, so my actual number was $15,890. Okay, nice. Now, I think I based my goal off of your results because I think I knew your results. So I said $15,000. Nice. Um, for mine. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. That seemed yeah. like, I also would have probably picked like 3,000, 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> I had no clue. I'm like, what? How does this thing make money? I don't understand. Um, but yeah, I like, I'm, I'm not in, you said you're not into crystals or like manifestation. Yeah. I'm not into that either, but I did for this summit because I thought it was such a stretch. I'm like, how is this going to happen? This seems so unrealistic. So I'm like, I might as well try and manifest it. Like maybe that there's something to that. So I wrote down on my like notepad on my computer, my summit will make $15,000. I wrote it like 20 times every single day for a week. And I don't think that's the reason why I made that amount of money at all, but I don't know. It probably at least helped you like believe it, you know, yeah, when you're planning the summit and just, you know, have, have a better mindset about it all. I love that. Yeah, I had no clue. But, like it seemed so unreasonable. But like, what what did you think 
when the money started coming in, where you're like, oh my gosh, like what? Literally day one of promotion, I hit that $3,000 goal. And I was like, to my husband, like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, th- th- there's, is there something wrong? Like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, it just like all these possibilities just like opened up. I announced like fun bonuses for my speakers and affiliates. And I decided I was going to give them to charity. And I decided I was going to do this coaching program. Like, I, I just, you, it was so, so exciting and so eye-opening. And uh, so I set myself some bigger goals. My next goal was 10,000. When I hit that, I was like, okay, maybe 12,000. I hit that, I was like, I don't even know anymore. So <laughs> it was just really exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally can relate to that. So tell us about how you monetized your summit. How did it make money? Yeah. So registration, uh, and this is kind of the formula I definitely recommend following is free registration because that's just going to get so many people in the door, so many leads for you, whether it's, whether it's leads for the summit or leads for your products. Um, so free registration. And then the way I did it is right when they sign up, they get brought to uh, a thank you page and it tells them, you know, what's next. I have a video on there, but it also then pitches an upsell. Uh, and in my upsells, I always do an all access pass for the summit. So they have, they get lifetime access to the presentations, worksheets, um, whatever speakers want to submit slides, they get those. Um, and then we give speaker bonuses as well. So speakers can submit either free resources they have or paid resources. Most of mine actually do paid resources. Um, and we add those as bonuses. Um, and I give them 15 minutes to get it for a discount. Um, for my first summit, I, the, regular, uh, the regular price was $197. And right after they registered, they could get it for 47 And they loved the crap out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that converted at 30% for us, which wow. was amazing. Um, and then they can also buy it, you know, anytime throughout the summit uh, or before the summit. I pitched it in, you know, any Facebook lives I did and emails and the email sequence after they signed up and then also after the event as well. Um, and I did price, I did two, two price increases. Um, so if they didn't take me up on that, like, you know, fast action offer uh, before the summit started, they could get it for 97. A lot of people did that. And then once the summit started and they were getting an idea of, okay, these aren't just like webinars that are trying to pitch me. This is good stuff. I raised it to 147 and then afterwards was 197. And I was actually getting emails once I had it at 197 of people who were like real mad at me. They were like, this price is just getting too far up there. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, whatever. People bought it at that too. And it was totally worth that. Like with all the speaker bonuses that were in there, I had, I think $4,000 worth of just bonuses from speakers Mm -hmm. so you know I gave it a try and this time I'm starting at a little bit higher price point starting at $77 for that fast action offer but I'm only going up to 147 so we'll see how that goes I'll have to write a blog post kind of yeah is it starting to convert at all or yeah right so far it's converting at 12 percent okay which you know still not too shabby yeah Um, it'll be a little it's a little slower than that than the $49 one but we'll see See where it goes and I'll just adjust next year based on whatever one worked better. Exactly. And, you know, I was feeling, I was going to do the 49, 47, uh, whatever it was offer. But with this, with all the contributions from my speakers, I was actually feeling really guilty about it. It's like, these people are contributing products that are, you know, $200, $400 and I'm selling it for $47. Like, I feel like that was just like, 
I don't know, taking advantage of them. So 77 just felt better to me, even though it's not that much of a difference. But yeah, that's why I decided to try that. So we'll see. How yeah, I'm goes. interested to hear your results. I'm thinking of trying out a $67 yeah. one um, the next time around. But again, I'm going to be doing this one thing that I didn't do the first time was give speakers the opportunity to contribute a lot of stuff. Um, and that was just because my goal for the summit was sim simplicity, like first time, let's not make it complicated, just learn how to do it, yeah. just simple. But now I wish that I could go back and, you know, get some contributions from speakers. So I think that would have helped them promote it more because they could say, hey, you, yeah. you, guys, you guys know that I sell this product and it's usually $97, but you can get it right now mm -hmm. for 47 Yeah. Uh, so, or not even, it's not even, they don't even have to say that because they can just say, you can sign up for the summit for free and you might have a chance to buy it really cheaply. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see how that goes for you. That's incredible. Also that you made uh, that much money off of, you know, just the all access pass. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So my summit was partially monetized with um, sponsors. That's right. That's right. Um, so I had um, two big sponsors for the event and um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it again. I found that this having a sponsor was stressful for me, like emotionally, okay. because I was so worried about making sure the sponsor got all of the value um, for their contribution. And so I felt like I was making decisions based on that um, yeah. for how I like monetize things as opposed to more opportunity for me to monetize. Um, so I'm not sure, like the next time I run it, I might try yeah. doing it without sponsors to see how it goes. It's That's just really interesting to me. Yeah. It's kind of like been. you have a boss, right? Um, yeah. and you do things for your boss, but like, if you don't have a sponsor, you don't have a boss and you can yes. do things for you. Um, not to say sponsors are bad. I loved having them. It was my first time really working with sponsors and I chose sponsors that really related, like we're so related yes. to the summit. I was topic. impressed with your sponsors. Yeah. So it like made a lot of sense. Um, and I didn't feel guilty or sleazy about it at all. But it also added like a layer of stress that I just didn't know was yeah. there. So yeah, for sponsors, uh, sponsors I've never worked with before, and I'm sure other people will be wondering about this as well. So I'll ask: um, With sponsors, do you have to like give them a certain return for them to pay you, or do they pay you regardless? They pay regardless. Okay. Um, with so that's the thing with sponsorships is when a company agrees to be a sponsor, they need to recognize that with an event like this the value isn't always the immediate return on investment. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, so my question to a potential sponsor is always, you know, how much do you pay for your ads and what do your ads usually convert at? Um, you know, what do you pay to get in front of an audience of this size? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they would get more of a return with an event like this because it's, it's already targeted for them. It's not like they needed to get lookalike audiences with Facebook ads. I've already curated the audience of their potential customers. Now all they need to do is pay the money to get in front of that audience. Yeah. So, okay. That's amazing. The, but that being said, the sponsors do want to know that they're going to get a return on their investment. Um, but I do have, they signed a contract. So um, it's basically like if I were to cancel the event, they don't have to pay, you know, basic right. stuff that like protects both sides of the agreement. Um, and then the sponsors, 
understand that I can't guarantee them anything, um, but that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that they get the exposure they deserve for the contribution they made. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. That's cool to learn more about and uh, interesting to hear, you know, that you're not sure that you would do it or not, you know, again, because teaching summits myself, I've always felt kind of guilty that I've never tried sponsors. I don't teach about it, obviously. Um, So it's, it's good to hear like another side of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely an interesting experience. One thing that I didn't realize is, um, so I was talking to my parents one day um, and they were, this was like a few months before my summit was going to kick off. And it was at the point where I didn't know if I would have a sponsor or not yet. And so I was like, I'm kind of nervous because I really wanted a percentage of my income for the summit to come from sponsors. I wanted to cover all my expenses with sponsorships basically. And my parents are like, well, you're not really thinking outside of the box. Like think about your target demographic that's going to show up to your summit. What companies want to be in front of them? It doesn't need to be related to digital products necessarily. Like it could be, have you ever seen like Dollar Shave Club? Yeah, my audience might be a really great fit for a Dollar Shave Club, yeah. um, and they might want to get in front of my audience. Like I don't know, and so they're like, "Why are you not reaching out to those places?" They're not like sure it wouldn't be an immediate return because what does like a summit have to do with Dollar Shave Club? Right. But think about like somebody. Think about like races that you run and who's sponsoring the the like five k races. Yeah. Think about all the different sponsors you see out there, they're not always like banks are sometimes sponsoring random things it's yeah. not always like a niche relation although if it is obviously greater conversion rates but sometimes you can think outside of the box so i thought that was interesting mm-hmm. i didn't pursue it for this summit obviously but it was an interesting point that they made for that, sure that is awesome your parents are sweet <laughs> they're bit they're you know they're in business so they yeah around the block once or twice for sure yeah, that's awesome okay so selling digital products with a summit like did you sell on the back end of your summit an actual product or were you just selling the all access pass yeah so uh for my first one i actually tried to sell like don't do this here's a mistake i made do not sell a brand new service you've ever sold before off of a summit don't do that um so needless to say i did not uh sell a product off directly off of my first one um i did include one of my products in the in the all access pass basically. Um, but I, there was no, no like funnel afterwards or no, no pitching my own product during the summit. Um, I am considering doing, I still haven't decided if I'm going to do it this time or not. Um, I'm just going to kind of read where my energy levels at and see if I have the energy to put something together like that. Um, but so no is the answer to your question. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely recommend reading your energy level because that was my mistake after my first summit was launching right after because Mm -hmm. I was I was so drained. I mean, I just had no, no, I had nothing left in me and I had scheduled myself for two webinars and Mm -hmm. like an entire launch sequence. And it just felt, I was like, vacation was so close. And I'm like, I I was like a little kid. I was like one more sleep until vacation. I can't blame you at all with that. But I I mean, I love that you did that because that's that's what I would recommend over trying to pitch your own product in a summit. Because I've been to summits that that do that. And to me, those are the ones that are at the highest risk of starting to just feel gross and markety the whole time when you're just constantly being pitched these products. And actually, uh, it's been like software 
tools and software that, you know, I've been to that do that. Uh, like a course platform I know did it once. Uh, and it's the summit and all you're hearing about constantly is them trying to pitch you to get, uh, to, you know, sign up for a membership with them. And I think, I mean, I think it's a good idea, but with how much money you can make just off of an Alexa's pass or whatever you plan to do, to me, it makes just so much more sense to give people a really amazing experience during the summit, give them that upsell. And then if you have a funnel that converts, put them in that funnel afterwards or do, you know, do your launch if you have the energy to do that and, you know, make use of all of your new leads who clearly need what you have to offer. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if I were to do it differently, which I will, I'm going to use my summit as like a preceding for the launch that would happen like three weeks later. Yeah. One of the problems is you're sending so many emails during a summit and before the summit. So then to immediately go into a launch afterwards, there is going to be like a huge unsubscribe rate and people are just tired. They need some space. Yep. from you in their inbox <laughs> yeah for sure so how did your it. launch go do you feel like it were you happy with the results you got or was it just kind of all just a downer no I mean it, it definitely wasn't a downer I had expected it to go differently but it wasn't yeah. um it wasn't like a disappointment in fact I yeah. would say it was like one of the more successful launches nice. um but it was just that I had expectations after coming off of this high from the summit yeah and it didn't like it wasn't, I, I can't compare the two summit launch. Like they're very different things for very different types of products. So, um, it's, it's just, it was just hard for me and I was just so tired. Like I, yeah. I was not sleeping. So, um, it was good. It was good. And I actually really love yeah. the new people who joined my membership site. They're like the best. I mean, that sounds so silly, but like, yeah. I love them and they're so motivated they came from the summit and I think that there's something to be said for that. Oh, for sure. And I can see that too. Like the most active members of my community now were the most active people who found me during the summit. And it's just so fun. It's just fun to watch that and yeah. you know, watch these people just be excited to learn and take action and do things. Yeah. But I agree with you in terms of um, like spamming people during a summit with your product. Yeah. I don't really, I don't think it's a place for that. I mean, the majority of the people didn't buy your all access pass uh, yep. and they're there for free. So yep. if they're constantly being spammed with your product that that makes you look not good. Yeah. Not it just feels, yeah. It just feels kind of gross for everyone. So it sounds like we have collectively decided the best course of action for selling a product is do your summit, have your upsell and enjoy the heck out of selling that all access pass. Wait a couple of weeks to give yourself and your audience a break, a couple nurture emails in there and then go into a launch. And I want to add the note that, you know, make sure your launch plan or your funnel already converts before you do the work of running a summit to get new leads just for that. Um, because otherwise it's just a lot of energy for something that's not proven yet. And it, yeah. you know, it's just so much better to prove your funnel or your launch with your current audience, make sure it works, make your tweaks, and then do your summit for that purpose. Yeah, that's great. Unless of course your goal with the summit isn't to grow your revenue. I mean, maybe for your sure. goal is to just get more subscribers that you can nurture, or maybe your goal yes. is to build relationships or build expertise. And it's good for all those yeah. things. But if you're oh, going to... Sure you know, if you want to sell a product, then yeah, I agree with you 100%. Definitely make sure it works. <laughs> That's a lot of time. I mean, how many hours do you think you put into the summit? Oh, goodness. 
That's I don't even, I can't do. <laughs> I don't even know if I can do that. Lots? Does that count? I mean, I have an amazing team. And I even with my first one, I was really quick to make processes. I would write them out and record myself doing it and be like, here you go. Um, because when you have 20, 30 speakers, you're doing the same thing 20, 30 times. And it's time consuming stuff, downloading their videos, then uploading them, getting their pages created. Like it takes some time to do that kind of thing. Um, I don't even know if I could give yeah. an estimate. Like it takes a long time. <laughs> I Somebody told me something once that one of the most frustrating parts of entrepreneurship is that um, you sometimes create something that looks effortless. And so people treat it like it's effortless, but there's really a ton of effort that goes into it. And that's how I feel about summits. Like you don't, you see as an attendee, the results of hours upon hours upon hours of labor that went in for on the part of so many people. Like it's not yes. just you, it's like the people who created their presentations and spent the time giving you that information. Like it's so many different yeah. parts. I know. And I get, I get so frustrated because I mean, so many of the attendees are great, but with a free event, you're always going to attract the free type of yeah. customer. They want everything for nothing and they're going to tell you about it if they don't like it. And oh, even yeah. right now, promo started, I did my own promo last week, but the speakers are just starting this week. And even now I'm getting emails from people like yelling at me for charging for the LXS pass and just complaining about the silliest things. I'm like, I just don't even have the energy for it. I told my VA, like, if you get an email like this, if there's actually something instructive that I should review, let me know, but otherwise just delete it. Cause I don't want to see it. We yeah. put so much work into this. And I'm going to have my VA do that too. Cause yeah. I, I didn't have anything between me and those emails. I didn't have like a barrier and same thing in the Facebook group that we ran too for the summit. Yeah. Um, there, most of the people, 99% of the people were supportive and loving and just really yes. great. But then there was 1% and it's the loud minority that yeah. says, Oh, you're just like trying to get our money and you're just trying to make a profit. I'm like, actually, well, yeah, I, I am. This is, this is a business. Let's, I mean, let's be real. Just like you go to work and expect a paycheck. Like that's the same here too, but it's also insanely valuable. I mean, let's not forget that it's going to oh. put that barrier between yourself and the haters because yeah there will always be haters. It helps. And like, we're, we're just so good at listening to the haters. Oh, like, yeah. it's funny how we can have a hundred super amazing things said. And, but then, you know, I lost sleep the other night over one email and it's like, well, that's just stupid, <laughs> you know, yep. with how many people love this, that we just listen to the bad ones. So yeah, yep. a barrier is a good thing and something I would recommend. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So people are listening and they're wondering, should I do it? Is this something that I should pursue for my business? What do you think about that? Like, is there a specific niche that should avoid it at all costs or a certain type of person that should avoid it at all costs? What do you think? Yeah, I'll start with the per type of person first. Um, if you're someone who tends to start things and have trouble finishing them um, or get overwhelmed with a long task list um, or you know, you don't like trying new things, it gives you a lot of anxiety, you have trouble pushing through, I would say this is not the right thing, because it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication over a long period of time. Uh, and it takes a lot of, you know, getting outside your comfort zone. I am super, super introverted. Like when I was little, I would hide under tables at parties, like I just didn't want just didn't want anything to do with it. I used to like cry in speech classes in high school. How embarrassing is that? Like, but for this, you know, I've, 
as I've ran my business, I've been getting better and better at getting outside that comfort zone. So yes, pitching speakers was really scary. And yes, all of the live video I did was a little scary, but um, for me, I'm able to push through and just make myself do it and, you know, end up feeling good in the end. Um, but if that's something that, you know, is just kind of too much for somebody, I would say this is something that would not be the right kind of thing. Um, and as far as like a niche goes, I don't think there's any niche that I would say do not do it. I think the most important thing is that you have a niche because there are so many summits out there for like all online business owners or all creative business owners. And if you're like a big influencer, you already have an audience, that's fine. You're going to, you're going to do well. But if you're starting out smaller, like for me, I started my first summit with an email list of 500 people. If I was marketing to all online business owners, I would have gotten nowhere doing that, you know? So having a, a specific niche with a specific problem um, is something that you do need regardless, you know, of, of what, what industry you are in. If you're starting out with, you know, a smaller size audience and don't already consider yourself an influencer. Um, so I always recommend to people, you know, if you can narrow your regular business niche even more for your summit, do that. And then find the biggest problem they have and focus your summit on solving that one problem. So rather than just a general summit for your niche, make it a summit that solves a specific problem for your niche and then you're golden. So if you can do that, I think regardless of industry or whatever, it's something that you can pull off. Yeah, that's such great advice. Um, I agree, There's the, the market is saturated for very general summits. Um, and if you can't differentiate yourself, you're just gonna get lost in that mm -hmm. noise. Um, but I think another key to success for this is as long as you have, like you said, the, you know, the specific niche and problem and a group of speakers that are experts and really can yeah. speak on their respective expertise, then your summit will be successful. Like as long yeah. as there is a group of people and you're solving specific problems, those are the key ingredients yes. that you really need. Yeah, I have so many people like on Instagram, this is a message I get a lot. They'll ask me, you know, I don't have an email list or I have, you know, 50 people on my email list. I can't do it. Can I? It's like, well, heck yeah, you can. You just need <laughs> to have, yeah, for sure. You just need to go on with good expectations. Don't expect to you know, have a summit that gets you 100,000 email subscribers. Um, but if you have good content, you have your niche, you're connected with other people in our industry, even if a lot of them are smaller, you're still going to have good results, relatively speaking. Um, and if you're connected with bigger name people, that's amazing too. Like all it takes is a con is connection. I always recommend that you, even a month before you send your pitches, you're connecting with people you want to reach out to because if you get like, I was really surprised, <clears throat> excuse me, my first summit, how many people said yes. Um, and just having a even a small connection with people makes the yeses so much more likely. And that's all you need, like you said, to run a successful summit. Yeah, absolutely. I found that most speakers said yes. Um, the few who said no just were out of town or yeah. they like were on maternity leave, like yeah. really, like real things that just prevented them from participating. Most people said like who didn't have a reasonable reason why they couldn't do it just said yes. And I was surprised yeah. by the volume of yeses that I got from that. Yeah, same. Yeah, and I think for people who are wondering how big does your email list need to be, you guys, you're not promoting it to your own list. Like maybe a little bit you are, but this is more other people promoting it to their list. So the amount of people that you have on your list could be zero and you could still yeah. run a summit successfully. 
totally agree. All right, what are we missing? Is there anything that we didn't talk about that definitely needs to be covered? Oh. I mean, we could go on forever, right? Like, I know, we really could. You know, I just, maybe we can stress the importance of having a plan going in because yeah. this, isn't, this isn't something that you want to just uh, kind of wing it and hope it works out because there's so many steps that depend on previous steps being being accomplished you know yeah. before you can actually pull it off so uh go on with the plan if you're going to do it take time to figure out steps and the order of things and how much time needs to happen in between each thing give your speakers time to make their presentations i've heard of speakers like getting pitched and needing the presentation done like the following week do not do that <laughs> give your speakers a That's good cool. few weeks or months yeah to get their stuff to you um and, you know just kind of that kind of stuff plan in time for speakers to be late uh i i ask for material three weeks before i need it and there are people who need those three weeks they are three weeks late <laughs> for no reason whatsoever <laughs> so just you know get yourself a process made up have a plan in place Give yourself plenty of room for things to get delayed and just kind of be realistic about it all. Yeah. The how-to of a summit is very complicated. There are lots yeah. of different pieces that go into it. Um, when I first decided I wanted to run a summit, I basically looked online at what other resources were already out there helping. And that's how I found you, Krista. I mean, we've already known each other, but then I found you were now talking about this because I found you earlier on when you were just the design and now you're you were talking about summits and so I think I signed up for your webinar and then yeah. downloaded whatever free stuff that you had um, so I would recommend doing that tell us a little bit about your um, summit in a box free stuff that you have yeah so at summit in a box I am publishing all kinds of content because when I was planning planning my summit there was like no blog posts like helpful blog posts on planning summits. So I am publishing all kinds of blog posts and content on that. And then uh, my freebie is a 12 steps or 12 secrets to hosting your first profitable online summit. And these are kinds, kind of things that uh, I think a lot of people would miss. I'm very detail oriented. So I got these things the first time around. Um, but they're, they're more important things that I think, you know, that will give you a bigger return that, um, people miss a lot. So for example, things like, you know, that 15 minute, uh, yeah. limited time offer that we talked about. I have some details on that in there. Things like having a Facebook community kickoff and closing calls, like how beneficial those can be in a little bit on how to do it, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the thing with, um, running your first summit, uh, there's going to be a lot of things and you almost have to pick and choose the most important things to do yeah. and then let the rest go. Um, yeah. So I remember one of the things that you recommended doing that I just didn't have time to do in the end um, was having video like on as many pages as possible. Yeah. And I wish that I had done that. And I'm definitely going to be doing that the next time around. But I just had to let let it go because there was no time. <laughs> there was no yeah. time to get it done. Yes, that's something I recommend as well. And I see like some of the other people that talk about summits out there are talking about like breakout sessions and all these extra things you can do. I'm doing co-working sessions during my next summit for people who bought the upsell. Um, but for your first one, just keep it yeah. as simple as possible. I would say don't go much over 20 speakers. Definitely don't go longer than five days. Like as simple as possible is the way you want to go the first time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, like I said, we could talk about this forever, but we'll wrap it up for now. Um, thank you, Krista, for taking the time to chat with me on summits. This is always fun. We're excited to hear about 
your upcoming summit and the results that you have from that. So good luck. Fingers crossed Thank everything you. goes well. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was way too fun. listen to episode 21 of the rebel boss ladies podcast if you enjoyed this format please please let me know because we've never done it before and i want to know if you liked it it was a lot of fun for me to record so if you guys like this i'll definitely get some more of these scheduled and of course show some love to the amazing krista go grab her free resources at summitinabox.co and definitely give her a follow on social she's an incredible wealth of information on summit hosting so you'll want to have her resources in your pocket All right, Rebels, you know the drill. Keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up.